Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today's topic is strengthening self-love. Understand your sensory preferences. My guest is Dr. Melody de Jager, Human Development Specialist, Educator, Author and Keynote Speaker from Johannesburg. Welcome, Melody. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. I'm delighted to have you back because, you know, my platform has just celebrated its third birthday and you were the very first person I interviewed for Calm, Clear and Helpful. Is that correct? Yeah. My word, what a privilege. Congratulations. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. My background is in, in preschool education. May I give you three claps for three years? Yes. One, two, three. <laughs> Thank you, Melody. <laughs> now I feel it's just right. <laughs> To our listeners, after our conversation, Melody will give us her three tips on awakening your senses. And then it will be fun question time. Melody, you're the founder of the Baby Gym and Mind Moves Institutes. Please tell us more about your life's work. Mariette, the human being is is fascinating, absolutely fascinating, and I'm a born student. So I've always wanted to understand the human being a little bit better. It sounds like I'm talking about others. I'm talking about myself as well, because ultimately, isn't understanding, doesn't it always start with ourselves? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to understand myself, and I wanted to stand, understand other people, and what prevents people from developing what prevents them from learning and if we can say learning is the ability to adapt whether that is adapting to a, a, a school a classroom a relationship a job a profession um, adapting to retirement so I've always been fascinated about what enables people to adapt and what prevents them from adapting and then applied it to infants, pre-birth actually, pregnancy, all the way through to old age, because the essence of the human being, irrespective of their age, is identical. And I'd like, to, I'd like you to mention what Mind Moves are, because they stand very central as in the Mind Moves Institute. Well, it's about the mind, and the mind is a little bit more than the brain. So it's, it's what you make of life, of your experiences, of your emotions, um, that's mind. So if that's working for you, great. If it's not working for you, how can you change that? How can you move that? So that's where the mind moves come in. Using physical movement as the basis to change your mind. Because at least you've got control over your physical movement. Mm. We have control over so little in life, but you do have over your own movement unless you suffer from a motor disorder. So we work on the brain in, in reverse. It's like reverse engineering. So if something is not working for you in your life, maybe it's difficult to do your job. Maybe a relationship is difficult. What is difficult and can we reverse engineer, change something in your brain using movement to enable you to adapt a little bit easier 
or to realize, but this is not a situation where I should adapt. Maybe I should leave. So Mind Moves is about practical tools to manage your own life. Yeah, and they are very powerful. I never do a podcast before I've done some mind moves. So they can be used for something specific as that to to hopefully be able to think clearly. And then if listeners are curious about the mind moves, I've done many podcasts with you. If they go to the podcast notes, there will be a link on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, those platforms. And if they go to the podcast notes, they will also find links to, for instance, an episode we did on mind moves. Okay, so that's the end of the ad break. Now we're coming to today's topic. Most of us have a deep need for connection. How do you view this? Oh, couldn't agree with you more. But that connection... Often when we talk about that need for connection, we use that in a relationship to others. And I think that is powerful. We've got a deep need to connect, because if you look at the work of Stephen Porges, for example, um, and most of the neuroscientists are showing us at the moment that the human being is created for relationship. It's not, we are not supposed to be alone. We're supposed to be in a relationship, relationships. But all of those actually start with the one that we often neglect the most, and that's a relationship with yourself. Because we need to connect with ourselves properly before we can connect with others. I'm sure that is a big part of the art of living. And what I've noticed, we are recording this a week or so before Valentine's Day. And traditions like Valentine's Day may create the impression that one needs to be in a love relationship to experience connection. Is this true, Melody? Well, Mariette, I think it's true. But then can we just define that as a relationship, your first love relationship? I don't want to say should because I don't like the word should, but it should be with yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, if you don't, ex- if you don't accept yourself, if you don't have a positive relationship with yourself, be happy with who you are. No matter that it isn't exactly like everybody. Well, it's not for nobody. We're all so different, but in essence, so incredibly the same. But the, the most important thing, I think, in this life is if we understand that everything starts with your relationship with yourself. Um, And I'm not talking about this, you know, this inflated self-talk that tells yourself how great you are. If you don't believe what you are feeding yourself, and I mean, if I say feed, I mean in terms of your words. If you don't mean what you say, you can't fool yourself. And Marie, that's what's so exciting about today's topic. And thank you for asking me to talk about that. Because you cannot fool the human being. You can, you can try. But, but there's so much going on, on, on a subliminal level that enables us to feel safe and secure. Because ultimately in life, you want to feel safe and secure to be able to thrive. And if you don't feel safe and secure, you won't thrive. 
not within yourself or within relationships. And it all boils down to the senses. But we'll get there just now. I think it is so incredibly important that we understand that that first relationship needs to be with yourself. Yeah, thank you. I think that is crucial and that's why I'm so glad we're talking about that today. Now we're going to look at the brain and sensory preferences. How does this puzzle fit together? You see, as I just said, you can't lie to yourself. And on a, on a subliminal level, you can't lie to anybody else. People pick it up. You know, there's a vibe. We say there's a vibe. Um, there's a vibe around the person which either um, attracts you or sometimes it, propel, it, it repels you. So that vibe is what we are picking up on a very, very basic level because they're sending messages all the time and your senses are picking up those messages. You're not aware of it. It's, it's subcortical. It's, it's the part of the brain the kind of thinking that goes on there, we are not aware of. So you understand, and it's comparing information. What does this person look like? What, what do they sound like? What is the smell that comes off this person? Because if they're anxious, that anxiety um, conveys itself through, through smell, through really? the sense of smell. Yes. So the brain on a subcortical level sifts through all of this information. It compares the information it picks up from our different senses. Our senses pick up the vibes that the other person is sending out. And then that comparison gives a person a clear sense of can I trust this person or can't I? Or is there ambivalence in the message that I'm picking up? And that ambivalence sometimes is just our innate way of recognizing that this person is talking like the ancient people said with a forked tongue. Mm. So they're sending us dual messages. It's not clear. They are saying one thing but they may be believing or feeling something completely different. And you pick it up. Because that vibe between people is really, it, it's really vibrations. Because every, every action you make, every thought you think, every feeling you feel, send off. We impact on each other. We impact on the universe. The space between you and me is filled with with energy and your vibes travel through that energy to my senses and my senses pick up the vibes from from your movements the vibes from your emotions the vibes from your thoughts and our senses are so incredibly clever they're intelligent they they convert those vibes into electrical impulses that run to different parts of the brain where our brains convert those electrical impulses into thoughts and feelings, obviously. It's a miracle when we connect. It's a miracle. But what I think is very important is that we understand, even though this process that I just described is rather complex, it's innate in human beings and we don't have to put in effort mm. for this to happen it's when because we are made we are designed to connect so if the connection is difficult ha it just means something is not the vibes aren't connecting 
Let me make it practical. Maybe you love to, your preferred way to connect to people is to give a gift. But maybe my preferred way of connecting is not through gifts. It's through your words. Or it's the time that we spend together. Do you understand? There's a mismatch. Your intention is so pure, but it's not hitting the spot in me. Because it's not coming in through the sensory system or the sense. That's my preferred way of connecting. So let me define senses quickly. I mean, we talk about senses, though. Everybody knows exactly what that means. Yeah, and we don't. We actually sometimes don't, Mm. eh? We have a sense, we have many sensory systems, but the ones that we use the most to connect is our sense of touch, our sense of smell, our sense of taste, our sense of hearing and listening, and our sense of sight. And we all have a preferred one of those. And most of us have a combination but but we all have a preferred one. Do we inherit it? I don't know. I, I've never found evidence that we inherit them. It's somehow something that develops over time. And maybe initially it was random. And then it hit the spot inside of you so well. And your happy hormones were triggered so intensely that that became your preferred way of connecting with somebody else or feeling somebody else connecting with you would be probably more accurate. Say say somebody touched you in a way that made, it just made you melt or it just made you feel acknowledged or supported. So that touch then, because of the intensity of that experience, you don't need seven before the brain says this is really important. If it was intense enough, it myelinates. Myelinates means it's protected for thereafter. Okay, so we all have all of the sensory pathways, but through time and maybe through a very intense first experience, we tend to have a preferred sensory modality. And maybe we have sensory modalities for learning. And maybe we have sensory modalities for connecting to people because connecting with information and connecting with people is not exactly the same. I didn't realize that. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. You understand? So we all have a preferred sensory modality. So best we figure out what is my sensory preference so I can take better care of me. Because say, my preferred sensory preference is smell. Then perfume is hugely important. And then when I buy flowers, they must be, they must be those old-fashioned ones mm. that you can smell. It mustn't just look pretty. You, you must be able to smell it. If your sensory preference is smell and you have to travel a lot for work, for example, It is incredibly difficult. It creates tremendous internal conflict and stress that we're completely unaware of because there are so many different odors in a guest room and on the pillow that you're actually sharing. Many people have shared that same pillow. And that can be so incredibly off-putting that you can't have a decent night's sleep. You see, the thing about our our senses and our sensory preferences is it's vastly unconscious. Mm. Mm. 
And how do you change something that you're not aware of? Yes, I see that now. So you really need to know. You really need to know your own. You need to know which ones to feed. And those are the ones the one or the ones that help you to connect with yourself. And you also need to know which ones I may need to develop a little bit to connect, to enable me to connect a little bit better with, with others, to receive their signals. But, you know, somebody can be sending you signal, love signals, mm. and if it doesn't come in to your preferred sensory modality, you may miss out on the most amazing connection. So there's preferred sensory connections, um, pathways. We've got them all. We've got preferred ones and, and we've got some, shall I call them, neglected ones. And then, obviously, thereafter, it's very important to also um, learn about the sensory preference of your partners or people that you, other people in general. So wonderful techniques. Science is marvelous. It gives us all the tools we need. Well, Maybe always a little bit of an <laughs> estimate. But it gives us, hands us so many tools mm -hmm. to make life a little bit easier, a lot less stressful, and a lot less and more loving. So we can do a little detective work. That's exactly what's called for. Yeah, and see whether we can change our own world and, and if we want to, uh, our relationships as well. Absolutely. Maritis, if I can give you another example. Say a person's preference is kinesthetic. Kinesthetic is, is the feeling one. It's just a fancy word for, for feeling, but feeling through touch. Say your preferred sensory modality is touch, hug me. But your partner, your existing partner, um, is not a toucher. And you see there's a disconnect. Mm. And so sometimes we feel rejected and we feel not listened to and not appreciated or whatever that narrative is that we tell ourselves. But sometimes it's just they don't know. Mm. But maybe because your preferred sensory modality is touch and maybe your partner doesn't touch because your partner doesn't enjoy touch that much. When you touch your partner they may move away or say not now and that ends you end up feeling rejected and it's not rejection it's just your partner's sense of touch may be underdeveloped it just needs a bit of stimulation or maybe your partner has had negative experiences and therefore it takes a long time for them to allow anybody to touch so you understand, it's the essence, our sensory systems and our sensory preference actually forms the basis of all our relationships. Mm. It was marvelous the day that I realized that I'm very visual, so beauty is important. Beauty in every way. I mean, it's beauty, well, it's honesty first, beauty second. Mm. <laughs> but, but I also realized beauty on its own is not enough for me. And beauty, what is beauty? It's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? And then I realized my real deep, deepest connection is with sound. It's the words that people use. So they can be as beautiful, as handsome as anything. But if they're words, I can't believe what they say. Or they use words 
like like something that's very cheap and they don't value their words. Therefore, they don't, I don't want to say count their words, but they're not aware of the impact of words on other people. It's very difficult to be in a relationship like that. So to some people, words are incredibly important. To others, words actually don't mean that much. Actions mean more. Or appearances may mean more. But whatever if you listen, actions, that's more kinesthetic. It's a more of, an, of a feeling thing, an experience thing. Um, appearances, it's more of a visual thing. Words, it's more of an auditory thing. Can you hear? We are using different senses to judge other people. We are. Or to tick the tick boxes. You know those tick boxes we have for other people or for relationships? Yeah, at the, at the heart of all of that is what tickles my senses the best. Mm. And you have to be aware of that. Your own first, and then obviously others. And then that dance between people becomes so much easier and so much more profound. I've been wondering how we determine, let's start with ourselves, how we determine our primary sense or senses. Can you give us some practical tips there? Marie, there's a neurological assessment that you can do. And if you want me to, I'll give you a little PDF that you can load as well, where people can actually see how to do that. Please, I'll include that in the podcast notes. Because that's fun, you know. It, it's not a diagnostic instrument at all. It's very simple. And what you do is you take a, a rectangle, a page in a landscape way, and you draw a huge infinity sign. But it must be huge, okay? And the page must be right in front of you. Because that, that the shape, and you only do it once with your dominant hand or the hand that you write with okay but you need to have that page right in front of you because that image once you've drawn one infinity sign it shows you in which direction your eyes prefer to move in because long time ago I think it was John Grinder and Grinder and Bandler, I remember, the two authors found that when we turn our eyes, before them it was Wilder Penfield, who said we turn our eyes in different directions to access different sensory modalities. Oh. And this work from Penfield comes from 1950. It's in the, can you imagine so long ago? But it's not mainstream information. So that image that you've ju just drawn, the crossing point of that infinity sign represents your nose. And then if you look at the shape of that image, you'll see whether it's bigger above the nose level, is it bigger to the side, or is it bigger below the nose level? Because when you look up, you, you access your eyes. You see so much better. When your infinity sign is bigger above the crossing point, it means you're visual. You turn your eyes up more often because that's the pre your preferred way to receive information through your senses is visual. Or if the shape, and I'll give you examples of each of these, is more towards, it's flatter, it looks more like a Zorro's mask. It means your eyes have just turned more towards your ears. What does that mean? You prefer sound. What My you goodness. hear is, is very important. 
Okay, and then when your the shape that you drew is bigger, so below the crossing point that represents your nose, it's bigger below that point. It it means your eyes turn more often to your heart towards your heart and your hands. So it's more feeling oriented. So up, more visual, seeing oriented, to the side, bigger to the side, more sound aware and therefore auditory and looking down, more feeling inclined. So that's the easiest way to spot your own preference. Okay? But obviously, just just being mindful mm-hmm. of what just happened that made you so intensely happy. Because that's an indicator of which pathway has just been triggered. Somebody gives you I'm back on smell. So somebody just gave you beautiful roses. But those old-fashioned ones that mm. you can still smell. And it, it, it hit the spot. Well, that's a cue. It can be visual and smell. It can be two. Okay, or somebody just sent you um, a link to a song. Oh, oh, and it, hit, it hits the spot. It means maybe, check, watch out, be more aware. Maybe sound is the way that people, you prefer that people touch your heart. So seek out people mm. who are really good with sound. And then, obviously, we need to go beyond that to other people. So spotting other people's sensory preference is a little bit easier than your own. Really? Absolutely. Well, you, you can do it with yourself, but it's much harder to, to do this one, you know, solo conversation. So it's in the language that they use. Um, you'll hear a person who's visual... You can hear it in the tempo of their voice. You can hear it in the tone. Because they need to talk very fast. Because the pictures are <laughs> running through their minds. So the tonality, you, you'll hear it. It's a little bit, the, the pitch is a little bit higher. It's faster. And they look up very often. They literally look up. They're not looking at something. They're actually triggering something that's visually stored in their mind. My that's why that, Isn't that fascinating? The easiest way to learn this initially is watch, watch TV and watch a presenter or watch somebody that's, um, there's an interview or watch any interaction between people. And if you see them full, full frontal, it's, it's marvelous because you can, you can hone your skills by watching somebody that's not watching you, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're a spectator and you can learn to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's a skill that you can develop, all right? And if a person is more auditory, in other words, sound or words are more important to them, they tend to have beautiful voices. And it's slightly lower than the visual pitch. And you can hear them listening to themselves while they're speaking. Okay, so they're aware of their sound. They are aware of their words. So it's slower and it's lower. And they typically use words like, does that ring a bell? Okay, do you hear what I say? Okay, while a visual person would more readily ask, is that clear now? Okay, um, is this crystal clear? Can I show you, can you draw, I draw you a picture? Um, Mariette, your own eyes are marvelous responding to this conversation <laughs> because it just went up as, as we're talking. So do you understand that when you observe people, it's non-intrusive. 
it's the most respectful way of getting to know another person is just to sit back and observe. Now, what do we sometimes do? We want to talk too much. Yes. No. Get them. If you want to get to know them, let them do the talking. Sit back and observe and obviously listen. But watch, listen to the pitch, listen to the tempo, watch the eye movements. Listen to the kinds of words they use. If they say, oh, this was a rough day. Even slower, even lower. Rough. What kind of words are they? That must be the kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. It's more feeling words. So that's a person that would appreciate an experience. And as you're talking about Valentine's Day or just relationships in, in general, if you take this into consideration when you want to reach out to somebody, but you've taken the time to sit with them, to get to know them, to maybe be rather accurate in your observation of their preferred sensory modality, the next time approach them using that sensory modality. If that it was the, this was a rough day. No, it's going to be wise to approach that person through an experience or give them something that they can touch. A friend of mine at, at some stage gave me a, a stone, a stone that one of those that are quite worn out, must have been in water for a long time, so there's an indent in the stone. And it was the most amazing gift at that moment, because rubbing that stone, what happens? It immediately made me think of my friend, mm. because it was a kind of aesthetic moment, and it was a kind of aesthetic gift. It was so apt. And you see, we also shift modality. So don't think I've got you and now I'm going to manipulate you. Yes. Because that's, that's what people are so afraid of. Mm. And that's why people often, and I'm generalizing now, but I think we as human beings are so sensitive. As Bruce Lipkin says, we're not sensitive. We're exquisitely sensitive to our environment. And we so desperately want to be safe that we sometimes mask or hide because we don't want to be manipulated. So we don't want to show ourselves from a basis of fear that that showing yourself may end up in you being manipulated. It is possible, of course. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. So use your instinct. Use when the hair on the back of your neck starts raising. There's a reason for that. Pay attention. Don't override it mentally. You've just received a very primitive message that says, treat carefully, my darling. Okay, and so that's a person that maybe you need to step back and observe a little bit more, not just their words, but also their actions, before you allow yourself to open yourself and show yourself to them. That's very wise. So do look at what you've, listen to me, to look at what, what you've just said. You're talking about watching the eyes and you explained how that works and you talked about listening to what they are saying and the words they are using and then generally just to be open to what you experience with them and what gives them pleasure. And then the same goes for oneself. 
Absolutely. Mariette, and, and if you want to reflect a little bit more, think of all the people that you connect with effortlessly and, and see if there isn't a common mm, denominator. What is the, a common denominator yes. in all these easy, smooth, spontaneous relationships. Mm, mm. And Melody, I'm now thinking about children. How does one apply this to one's children? Marie, as a parent, I've got three grown-up children now, but um, I traveled a lot while they grew up. So long-distance relationship was, was a common thing in our household. Obviously, we spent a lot of time together when we could, but there were times when um, there was distance and we had long-distance relationships, even if that was for a couple of days. So it was vitally important to me as a parent to understand my children's preferred sensory modalities because that enabled me to connect from a distance as well. And to give you a practical example, and I think maybe this is, this is life's um, sense of humor, so I've, my one child is more visual. The other one is more auditory and the other one is more <laughs> kinesthetic. And it was fascinating, Marit, when they turned 21 and we discussed gifts how the gifts that they, that they said they would really appreciate echoed their preferred sensory modality. So my child, that was more visual, that was, my children are older, so that was before every phone had its own camera. He said, can I have a camera for my birthday? The one that was more auditory, that was the MP3 player. That. Can I have, please can I? I would really appreciate that. And the one that was more kind of ascetic was a boy. And um, he said, I'd love to have a hunting experience. So the one that wanted the hunting experience, it, it's a feeling thing. It's something I do. There's touch involved. There's movement involved. The MP3 player, sound is very important. Can you remember the time when we used to send SMSs so we didn't have WhatsApp or any of those, those um, platforms and they would send, please call me. My auditory child would send, please call me all the time. Oh, yeah. Why? Because I could send an SMS, but mm. that was visual. Mm. That child wanted to hear my voice. You understand? And then the, the visual one who asked for the camera was visual. So if I send the SMS, happy as Larry, easy relationship, because I was naturally speaking a visual language sending SMSs, but was actually just touching one of my three children. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is fascinating. The thoughts are whirring through my head because now I'm very curious about how I can use this for gifts. Yes. Yes. And then coming back to what you said right at the beginning, the idea is to take better care of ourselves. Absolutely. So what we can do is the necessary detective work to determine our own preferred sense or senses and see how we can spoil ourselves, not so. Absolutely. Mariette, there's an interesting thing that we do. Say a person is, is very strong on listening. And they really want to buy a superb sound system. And then they have this internal dialogue with themselves that says, no, but that's so extravagant and blah, 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 blah. If only they knew that their soul, maybe we can say, but their mm. inside is crying out, fulfill the sense 
that, that supports you best. So buying that sound system may just be what you need to reconnect with yourself, to relax, to feel loved, to be, feel understood, and to start generating sufficient energy that will propel you in connecting with others. That is beautifully said. A quick note on what I do. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles on living a happier and healthier life by interviewing coaches, therapists and other wellness experts from over the world. You'll find this content on my website www.mariehitsneiman.co.za and it's there to help you find just the right helping professional when you need one. The section Up Close and Personal on my website offers you a glimpse of the person behind many of the experts I feature. If you're a wellness expert keen on getting more in-person or online clients or creating worldwide awareness of an issue close to your heart, let's talk about co-creating a podcast or article or perhaps featuring you in a South African magazine. You'll find more information under Services on my website. Now, back to my guest. You know, the same thing will go if you're very visual and you really cannot stand those curtains. And it mm. doesn't all have to be all have to be very expensive material things. It can just be a pot of flowers that you plant for yourself. Because when you go home and there's a pot with flowers waiting at you, you immediately feel at home. You see, we sometimes talk ourselves out of our greatest solutions to our needs especially if money comes into the picture yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and so often we measure ourselves against others and others don't do this mm. doesn't mean you mustn't mm. it actually is marvelous if you're doing something quite unique because that means you found you received a soul message a message from yourself that says pamper me like this Thank you, Melody. Before we come to your tips, where can listeners learn more about your work? We've got a, a, a website, www.mind, M-I-N-D, M-O-V-E-S, mindmoves, lowercase one word, .co.za. And from that landing page, it will take you to our various programs for pregnancy and young children and adults and seniors. Seniors too. Thank you, Melody, and I will attach that link to the podcast. Now, you promised us three tips on awakening your senses. So, it comes after awareness. So, now you're aware. So, what would you do to wake up your sense of taste and smell? Just taste and smell slower and deliberately. So, be deliberate. When you 
any of your senses, so your three tips are three tips in one, just go slower. Yeah, everybody talks about mindful. You don't want a full mind. Mm. You actually want a empty, you, not empty, but you want space in your mind. So you can literally savor moments. Savor what you eat. If you drink coffee, slowly savor it, really taste it. So that's one way of really, really treating your senses, developing your senses, making them more acute. And maybe they are very acute, you're just unaware of their messages or you ignore their messages. So just go live a bit slower in certain moments and then just really, really experience it. Because the intensity of the experience will be so much deeper. Because, Marie, we've got 2.4 million pain-sensitive structures in our body, but we have none for, for happiness. We don't have happiness receptors in our body. Happiness is a choice. But, but it's very difficult to make good choices without good sensory experiences. So in a moment, like the moment we're in at the moment, this is such a beautiful room. There's such a beautiful soft carpet, oriental carpet on the table where we are talking. And I'm aware of that. And the, the room is fresh. You know, all of this adds to an experience which makes this an unforgettable mm -hmm. memory. So look after your own senses. I'll also give you a list of, of YouTube links of physical movements that you can do to stimulate different senses. Oh, great. And then I'll give you another link to um, a, a book that my daughter wrote. It's a free book. It's, it's an e-book on how to treat your, your senses. So she wrote it um, during a holiday, and I think it's called Senses. And it's a workbook, so you can, over a period of time, mindful, engage with your senses and develop them for greater connection with self and with others. Thank you, Melody. It seems to me that we do not have to do this on our own. We are going to have help. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much. And then, may I ask you your fun question? Yes, please. When I say the words wonder and awe, Melody, what comes to mind? My life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, Marie, that was, that was quite uncanny. Um, I live a life of wonder and awe. I'm in a constant state of wonder and awe. So it's not such a fun thing as it is a deep thing for me. Because, yeah, with awareness comes awe. Mm. Awe of self, awe of others, awe of experiences, awe of the world that we live in. Yes, and that, I think, is one of the main reasons why I love working with you so much. Because if you are in awe, then everything is good. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Melody, for sharing with us your insight into the brain and this, our sensory preferences. But most of all, thank you for sharing your heart, because then we can feel our way forward in, in a more positive way. Thank you. Thank you, Maureen. To our listeners, it was good of you to join us. I'd be honored if you'd subscribe to this podcast series where you download your podcasts. 
If this episode meant a lot to you, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website www.marietsneeman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mark Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9 